Chapter Eleven of New Adventures of Alice by John Ray. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Eleven: The Skating Party. After sliding for what seemed miles and miles, Alice was just about to begin a conversation with herself to relieve the lonesome stillness when she was quite startled to hear a familiar voice nearby exclaim, "I trust we're getting near the ground. These wings work poorly, I have found." Looking up over her shoulder, Alice saw the poet floundering along through the air. He seemed to be having some difficulty in steering himself, but on the whole was doing remarkably well considering his short flipper-like wings though his flying did perhaps look more like a sort of slow aerial tumble. A little above him was the birdcage, drifting down through the air as lightly as though it had been made of paper. "'Can't you get hold of the banister?' called Alice as he flopped nearer. "'It would be so much easier for you to slide, I'm sure.' The poet, as if seriously considering this suggestion, scratched his head thoughtfully with his wing. This, of course, caused him to fall through the air in an alarmingly lopsided way for quite a distance. When he had steadied himself somewhat again, he shouted, "'I'm really afraid that's too long a jump from here. And besides, at the bottom you—' Bump! The banister coming to an abrupt end, Alice had landed in a surprisingly painless manner on a surface of very smooth ice, where, owing to the momentum gained in her long descent, she slid backward in a sitting position at great speed. As she started to slow down, after going for what seemed a tremendous distance, Alice heard a confused sound of cheering and hoarse shouts of, "'Bravo!' wonderful and very well done miss growing nearer and nearer and looking up as she finally came to a stop found herself in the midst of an excited group of curiously dressed animals and people some of whom she had already met on her strange adventures and others whom she recognized only because she had seen their pictures in her mother goose most of the groups had on skates of a very antiquated pattern curled up in a large spiral at the toe the manner of wearing these was in some cases decidedly unusual alice noticed particularly a clown who wore his skates on his hands and the old man all dressed in leather alice felt sure it was he at any rate a wrinkled old fellow with only one skate but that an enormous one strapped to a great shoe which he wore in place of a coat this necessitated a very strange method of skating as the illustration shows illustration old man almost sledding with a skate on his back the old man all dressed in leather propelled himself forward as alice rose to her feet after her long slide he pinned to the quilt, which was still wrapped about her, a large blue rosette from which hung a long end of ribbon, bearing the word winner, exclaiming with a good deal of flourish as he did so, We compliment you, ma'am, on your most commendable performance and well-earned victory. The cheering, which had been hushed during the old man's little presentation speech, now broke out afresh, and Alice, who had stood grinning sheepishly while the old man pinned on the rosette, could not help finally laughing outright at the absurdity of the whole situation, for, to cap the climax, the poet, in his clumsy penguin disguise, had appeared hopping heavily towards them, rolling the rickety, clattering birdcage ahead of him across the ice. As Alice stood watching his approach and laughing uncontrollably, a voice, which she recognized as Captain Tiwi's, boomed out, All entries for the second race this way. No one seemed to pay the slightest attention, however, either to this announcement or to the approaching penguin, for the fireman, whom Alice now noticed for the first time, had started a bonfire on the ice a short distance away, and the crowd was hastening in that direction. A little bent old woman with an old-fashioned witch-broom was industriously sweeping up the paper snowflakes that had fallen on the ice. It was a pile of these that the fireman had lighted. When Alice approached, he stopped his work of tending fire, and said in a rather apologetic way, as though he felt he had been caught at a very childish pastime, 
It's a real change, as you can easily understand, miss, this lighting fires, me being on a vacation. For other times, I'm mostly busy a putting of em out. Besides which, I've arranged this here fire so the smoke's all a-blowin' his way in hopes of waking him up. Here the fireman pointed to a little wooden bench nearby. Upon this bench, Alice was somehow not at all surprised to see the milkman stretched out, still snoring loudly. We've done about everything else, miss, went on the fireman in a discouraged voice. But it's amazing how sound-like milkman does sleep in the daytime. While the fireman was speaking, Alice had observed a large red cow, evidently a new arrival, skating towards them in a leisurely way. She was a raw-boned, powerful animal, with skates on all four of her feet, and even an extra one fastened on near the end of her frowsy tail. I can't see what use that one is to her, thought Alice. Apparently unconscious of the fact that she skated in an awkward, sprawling manner, the cow wore an air of haughty superiority. Just as Alice was about to call the fireman's attention to this ridiculous creature, she felt a nudge, and turning, saw that the captain and the cook had joined them. "'Sows my terry pigtail, if there ain't old Mulligieser, the milkman's crazy cow!' exclaimed the captain in what he perhaps intended for a whispering voice. "'Fatter like than ever, since the poet wrote them verses about her jumping over the moon,' put in the cook, who seemed to be having a difficult time adjusting his skates, which were, as a matter of fact, not really skates, but long soup ladles." Mulligieser, who was now laboriously attempting a figure-eight, evidently overheard the captain's uncomplimentary stage-whisper, for she tossed her head contemptuously. In doing so, she lost her precarious balance and fell to the ice with a crash, her cow-bell, which heretofore had only tinkled, now jingling loudly as she went down directly in front of the bench, on which lay her sleeping master. Roused by the sound of the cow-bell, the milkman sat up jerkily, and after looking wildly about in a sleep-dazed way for moment or two he spied the cow who was just getting angrily to her feet again amid general laughter and jeering with a hoarse cry of i've got you now you old moon jumper the milkman made a desperate lunge for the cow's tail but missed it falling on the ice though evidently greatly hampered by her skates mulligieser started off with a series of great galloping leaps and the most ridiculous chase that alice had ever taken part in began by the time the crowd of strangely assorted skaters had gotten their wits together sufficiently to start after her the ungainly creature was crashing along over the ice at an amazing rate of speed now running on all fours and now coasting as it were on her hind legs using her tail when she did this as a sort of rudder most of the pursuers in their frenzied efforts to get started quickly had fallen down like the milkman whom alice heard muttering wistfully as he picked himself up and started after the others it's very disappointing weary not wishing to be left alone and quite interested besides to see how the chase would end alice ran along after the noisy crowd the old man dressed all in leather notwithstanding his curiously attached single skate led the pursuit by a good distance perhaps it's because skating on his back in the way he does he can't very well fall down said alice to herself next came the clown who was going along very smoothly and gracefully on his hands fanning himself industriously all the while with a large palm leaf fan which he held somehow with one of his feet behind him came the captain fairly bellowing with delirious enjoyment of the chase then the cook on his soup ladle skates and the poet he was now wearing his bird cage helmet instead of rolling it clumsily hopping and flying by turns close behind the poet came the fireman shouting a confusion of orders through his brass trumpet strung along after this leading group were many others some of whom alice did not remember having seen on the ice before but who all looked vaguely familiar one of these last was a round-faced little man carrying a hammer and saw and a number of other tools he seemed to be skating with the greatest difficulty and was going very slowly 
Alice was not surprised at this when she saw that his skates were made entirely of wood. She also saw a large black J pointed on the back of his coat, and remembering the line, J was a joiner, decided that this must be he. The poor fellow finally stopped, removed his wooden skates, and was now examining them in a disappointed way when Alice caught up. She was now very much out of breath, and had slowed down to a fast walk. Upon seeing her, the joiner politely raised his little square-topped white hat, saying in a very gentlemanly way as he fell into step, "'May I be permitted to join this little party? You see, joining is my trade,' he added, as if to explain any seeming boldness in making his request. "'Of course you may, but I'm quite alone,' replied Alice, rather puzzled by his reference to the little party. "'Or at least I was alone a second ago,' she added doubtfully looking behind her as though half expecting to see several hitherto unnoticed companions why i should call you rather a little party explained the joiner that is he went on hastily as though fearing that alice might not have liked this way of putting it you're not so very large you know oh i see it was a sort of joke said alice smiling well answered her companion thoughtfully perhaps it was but these are no jokes at any rate he held up the wooden skates which he was now carrying in his hand they didn't seem to slide along very easily said alice feeling that some sympathetic remark was expected of her and i spent days and days selecting the very slipperiest kind of slippery elm to make them of said the other with a regretful sigh have some do he added sadly handing one of the skates to alice and starting to chew on the other in an absent sort of way as the joiner ceased speaking, Alice's ears caught a sound quite different from that of the noisy pursuit, which was now almost out of earshot. It was the ominous soughing of an approaching windstorm, which seemed to be coming up behind them. She looked over her shoulder and was really terrified at the threatening look of an oncoming bank of darkness, which seemed about to overtake and envelop them. "'Oh, dear! Whatever shall we do?' cried the poor child piteously, turning to the joiner. "'He was gone!' Alice had no time to soliloquize on his sudden disappearance, for the fast-rising wind soon began to blow her along at a constantly increasing speed, and when she glanced once more behind her, the bank of darkness had taken on much the look of an onrushing crowd of screaming black giants, and moreover, great cracks were appearing in the ice on all sides. "'If only there was something to hold on to,' groaned Alice, who was now fairly flying along, as if in cruel answer to her wish there suddenly appeared sticking up out of one of the cracks just ahead of her a pole bearing a signboard lettered danger in a moment she would be upon it as alice stretched out her hands to ward off the pole the ice which had been getting very wobbly gave way beneath her with a curious tinkling crash like the breaking of thin glass and all was darkness the next thing she knew the astonished child found herself sitting up unhurt on the damp floor of a large greenhouse End of chapter eleven